0: Is she dumb? Is she Sub? What's going on? Is she anything?
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to Groovy Movies. My name is Lily Austin. (laughs) I'm sorry, James. Did you just interrupt me?
0: I just was so excited to get going with this episode. I just was like, come on, let's get the names out of the way. I'm James Brailsford.
1: Great. And as I've already said, I'm Lily Austin, and we're talking about The Conformist this week.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, we are. We are talking about The Conformist, um, a Bernardo Bertolucci film from either 1970 or 1971. 1970. Uh, What were your initial overall impressions? Are you on a plus side or indifferent side? Where are we?
1: I'm in a I don't know how to feel about this film kind of amazing. Area. Yeah, because there's so much that's great about it, quite a bit that I didn't enjoy, but I mean, I where to, where to even begin? Can we can we start with just why are we why are we talking about this film, James?
0: Um I I recommend it because it's a film that I've always thought was one of my favorite films, but I haven't seen it for um for decades. Yeah, for um probably not since about 2003 2004 was the last time I saw it so so it's something that I've had logged as a classic but just not revisited since then and I just figured probably I just thought it will probably be something good to discuss I think it's nice to have films where you feel like there's we're gonna have something to say about it even if it's good or bad yeah and yeah I rewatched it and I was like oh my god this film is great and (laughs) I'd also forgotten a lot of stuff that happens in it. I was like, wow, okay. So yeah, there were some stuff that I wasn't sure how to feel about as well, which uh, I didn't pick up the first time I watched it. But yeah, overall, I was like, yeah, this is the reason I got into wanting to be a filmmaker and the reason I love cinema. Oh, really? Is this ca- yeah, is this kind of filmmaking. Um, I can yeah. see
1: that for you. So wh- when did you first watch it?
0: Um, I watched it Um in the first week of being at film school at Sheffield Hallam in 2001, and they screened it to all of uh, the new students, and and it blew us all away. Like, it had a really big effect on everybody because it is a film that is like pure cinema. It uses all aspects of filmmaking to tell its story. Cinematography, production design, the costumes, the sound, it's like, you know, it's a very good film to show film students, just say, this is how all of you can express meaning through your work right. um, I was going to say this, so it, this
1: is a very film school kind of film
0: yeah t- totally and, <laughs> and watching it again I was like yeah you know it's, it's, it's a very film school kind of film I totally agree with it it's, it's and you know there's bits of it now that don't work for me like they used to work back then and I can see it's false weaknesses. but it is a very good film for a, for film school students and what amazed me was that I hadn't ever seen the film before um, I'd heard of Bernardo Bertolucci yeah. probably seen The Last Emperor but I'd never seen and none of us had actually so it it was a good one to show. I think they knew that. I think they knew that it was a kind of film that we that we would enjoy, but we possibly hadn't been exposed to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks incredible. Everything from the way the camera moves to the strips of light through the Venetian blinds in that scene. Uh, actually, yeah. before we get into that, we should probably talk a little bit about the plot. In case anyone listening may not have watched sure, this film, sure. So I guess a, a brief summary is that it follows a man called Marcello Clarici. Clarici, thank you. Um, who is Italian, based in Rome, and he's getting married, and he is recruited, or at least he applies by applies to the fascist police, secret police, um, to become a member, and is tasked with assassinating a professor who used to teach him who's uh, in exile in Paris
0: see cuz now you summarize the plot i have to say i was watching it and i was thinking what exactly is happening again in this <laughs> film and and the thing is i also did my ma dissertation on the conformist on the visual language of the conformist so oh, like, really? i've watched i've watched it a lot and what i've realized it's like 2001 a space odyssey for me like i don't really f- even try and tune into the plot i'm just like all these things that are happening are really interesting, and it's been done. So, like, so, yeah, like, like I think it, that's for such me, a good fi- comparison. Yeah, the f- the film for me, I think the the conformist, it's not about the plot really. It's about the the intent behind the overall film, like what it's trying to say about fascism.
1: Yeah, and what do you think it's trying to say about fascism?
0: Uh, that it utterly dehumanizes all those who take part in it in every respect and that to be able to accept fascism you live in a fantasy world that's constructed both by yourself and by the state
1: okay <laughs> that that sounds very possible to me like okay so that's so that was it for groovy movies this week bye <laughs> full, full stop the end. mic drop we're out of here <laughs>
0: Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, do not...
1: James, never apologise for giving the correct answer. I just feel, like a, just feel like a teacher who's just like, okay, so the lesson is completed today.
0: <laughs> but the question is, how do they achieve that? And how successful were they in achieving that?
1: I mean, I think you're absolutely right in that. I, I gave a plot summary. That is, in a sense, what happens in the film. But you're right, the film is much more like a sequence of dream scenes i think than a yeah. proper plot right because it's non linear it kind of jumps between Marcello on a car journey going to assassinate the professor as i'm going oh, to that's him. what he's doing yeah <laughs> and then it jumps between <laughs> that and then various various scenes from his childhood and more recently in his life and every scene just free- it has is a kind of amazing set piece
0: Yeah, incredible
1: Uh, and lush in different ways.
0: Yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, I I had, I I knew it was this beautiful, and that's why it was one of my favorite films. I was like, I'd forgotten how every scene has an original approach. It's, there's never just which I always hate in films. I've realized as well, The Conformist was clearly very influential to my short films that I made around that time because yeah. I hate just coverage where you, you do shot, reverse shot. I like interesting um, setups and camera movement and way, the way this action's staged. I like that to be interesting and novel. And The Conformist is a film that is constantly novel. You know, there's never, there's rarely a scene where it's just two people and it cuts from one shot of their face to the shot of the other person. And uh, yeah, Sorry, I cut you off though. You were making your point about how it's, it's these visually impressive set pieces.
1: Yeah, well, that was kind of it really. I <laughs> I kind of <laughs> want to hear more what you think about those set pieces though. <laughs> as yeah, a filmmaker. I mean, you know, it,
0: they totally are my kind of thing. It's like that's cinema to me. The, the, those set pieces, like watching it unfold, I was like, yep, yeah, this is what cinema, this for me is, is cinema at its purest. It's like a, it's, poetic it's taking risks it's working on a subconscious level and it's leveraging all the aspects of filmmaking so you've got the di- the script the direction of the actors you've got the cinematography you've got the sound design because the sound design's pretty good as well it's, it's, it does a lot of things to increase tension and uh, just under the costumes are really got into the costumes this time around. oh my god like, oh. i'm completely <laughs>
1: obsessed with the clothes in this film they're amazing yeah. the all the men are in these beautiful 30s suits all the women are in these like long gowns and furs and mesh over their faces they look incredible it's definitely worth watching just for the clothes apparently I think that (laughs) most of the wardrobe is is, the original 30s um, really that they sourced for Uh, it but there's something funny right about how it was made in 1970 about and it's and it's set in 1938 you know it's like the height of fascism Mm. because obviously the 70s was this time of far left politics across Europe and so obviously that's kind of leaning into that it's like this film is exploring something that happened 30 years ago but they seem, you know, are kind of learning the lessons from at this point.
0: So, was it something to do with the fact that it was a period setting? But was the parts of the seventies and the political landscape of the seventies was that seeping through into the filmmaking? Is that what you were? It must referring
1: be because you know, whatever. Why, why even choose to make this, that film at
0: that moment? I got you. So, so, yeah. so I think, I think. So, so, you know, I don't know much about Bertolucci and uh, and um, Vittorio Storaro, the two, the director and the cinematographer. I don't know too much about their worldviews, but I imagine they're liberal and you know well educated so you're right it's it's a it's a perhaps a leftist view of r- far right wing i i don't know but um, yeah
1: i think it must be
0: for um, me there was a scene that um, i really i'd read about this when i did my research um on the film for my masters um mm. the vittorio storaro who is the cinematographer who i just think just is one of the straight-up geniuses of cinematography um, um and he's he's like very much an artistic temperament kind of guy like when you get vittorio storaro you don't get just someone who turns up and slaps a light up and goes right let's roll <laughs> you know he's like, he's like a super intellectual and, and and so you can see that this is like the visuals are so heavily involved with the storytelling like it's a bit heavy-handed and like i say a bit film school sometimes it's like here is some symbolism here is a symbolic thing happening all give the time give me an but, example
1: uh, what would what, what you say is the most oh,
0: clumsy right, right.
1: heavy-handed well, no 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 the, the, the
0: thing movie. is they're not they're not clumsy okay, right they're not clumsy but 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 like they're not subtle either so <laughs> anyway but, so, so i don't a, think a,
1: anything a cl- about this film is that subtle
0: no 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 no, 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 no exactly no <laughs> i don't think any of it is and the thing is i almost appreciated it more as a comedy this time yeah, around, which is interesting which
1: funny weird moments like surreal yeah. comedy. He has that friend who's blind and they're talking and then he looks down at his his friend's feet and he's got one black shoe, one brown shoe.
0: Oh yeah. And it's just <laughs>
1: a bit of like blind Symbolism. laughing at a blind person comedy that I found slightly completely unnecessary. But I kind of like that about the film. There were so many weird random set pieces that that weren't pertinent to anything. Like that, yeah, it's not plot driven.
0: And then again, that, that's why I like this kind of cinema is because it's like, it's doing something that definitely isn't a theatre play, you know, it's yeah. its own thing. And, and you either, you're either, I think you're either into it, which I am, or you're not. But for me, it's like, yeah, th- these are the kind of films I really, they resonate with my brain because they've just got a lot going on Yeah. Uh, and, and they're, they're a unique version of the art form. But um,
1: But I interrupted you when I, when I'd asked you a question, <laughs> what what do God you think damn. is the most <laughs> heavy, oh, yeah. overt symbolism over
0: right, right, right. so <laughs> classic scene uh in fact i remember writing about this in for my for my masters um, was when very early on in the film about the first 14 minutes uh, clarici thinks he's well he has been trailed by somebody he's been followed and everything is at a cantered angle like, yeah. so his world is in disorder because cantered angle cantered angle that's what i was right. gonna so, like, say right and 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 then, and then and then of course they go to this gateway and clarice yeah. is like you know it's a canted angle shot and he's 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 kind of frame within a frame he's separated from the other guy with a line and then as he realizes that there is somebody who's on his side the camera straightens out because you know the universe is going back into balance order is restored
1: but why was why is order restored at that moment i'm a bit well, because, I mean, he, because res- he knows who he is now Oh well I mean on a, a,
0: order is restored to Clarice's world. But why yeah well, but
1: why does that suddenly happen when it wasn't a second ago? Like- <laughs> because
0: because the, the way I read it was that he's thinks he, he's being followed and he thinks a- that something very very bad's sinister. going to happen. Sinister, and then the camera writes itself as he realizes that uh, things right. are okay
1: okay yeah, yeah i I totally buy that. Do you think it's partly also being triggered by being followed in a car just like he was when he was a- assaulted as a child?
0: Oh God, you know you know quite possibly i hadn't even <laughs> I hadn't even considered that see yeah, yeah.
1: you didn't you didn't think about that. I could have added something to that master's of yours <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> twenty two years later, and I could have got myself an A for it. Now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the scene I was thinking of when I was thinking about things being a bit overt in their symbolism. My feeling when I watched it the first time was just like, this is confusing and it kind of isolates you a bit from what's going on. Yeah. But I think that's probably the point, right? I think that Bertolucci kind of wants the viewer to feel a bit isolated because that's the whole point of um, Marcello's yeah. character, right? He's isolated from this world that he lives in. It's called The Conformist because he's desperate to conform, to get married, to be a fascist because he feels isolated from the world around him, I, I guess. And yeah, so that's yeah. maybe what you're meant to be made to feel when you're watching it.
0: That's watching again with 20 years gap. That, that's the feeling I got it is it is these dreamlike sequences that, yeah. you know, you know, that fold into each other and you are meant to feel like like I say, I came away with it. The, the, I really got the idea that we, it's a dream world, is is the fascist state that Italy was. It it was this strange place. And th- that was possibly the best way that he could tell that in a film, is was by making it like these surrealistic uh, vignettes.
1: Yeah, and I, I like that. I mean, how many films do that? Yeah. Like it's all very, everything's really unclear. And to be honest, like watching that, the first, you you have to watch it more than once because the first time I was just so slightly baffled by it and part you can't help but partly think: is it because it was made in 1970 and so there's something <laughs> something's lost in generational translation right, yeah, yeah, yeah. would this have made more sense to me then and then I watched it again and I thought no definitely not this is obviously what he wants to do he wants you to be yeah. confused and I kind of like, love like- that
0: I have to say, watching it last night, it got me really excited for cinema again. It made me remember why I like making films. I just, you know, I've 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 gone through a bit of a funny patch with my filmmaking, and I'm kind of coming. Back out into having a broader appreciation of film, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this. But that film was like, oh yeah, I'd f- yeah, this is a great film, and it's it, it's exciting because it's got there's a lot to talk about, in, in or at least there's a lot for me to think about.
1: Okay, what else do you love about it? Let's keep on the positive track before I start moaning about the women characters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me stay in my happy place a bit longer, thanks, Lily. Yeah, I don't want to burst your
1: bubble too soon, James. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so uh, Vittorio Storaro's cinematography is amazing and um there's there's one scene that I, I remember doing some research on 20 years ago, and I found a bit of information. Oh, sorry, there's a couple of things about Vittorio Storaro which are worth talking about. Is one he has um um like he believes that each colour has a psychology behind it, so he will use colours based on uh, psychology. Psychology. So green is representing life and newness and all this kind of stuff. So
1: and red is passion or something like that.
0: Yeah, I actually wrote them all down once. There's a documentary that uh, that, that um he li- he list them so i did actually have them um written down in a notebook um, from film school which i kept and about 10 years after film school um uh, i'd met a woman in a club and she'd come back to watch francis ford coppola's one from the heart his (laughs) follow-up film to apocalypse now now if that isn't a guaranteed way to get a woman back to your (laughs) flat So she came back, and we're watching, we're watching uh, One from the Heart, which is shot by You're Vittorio so Storaro. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: come back to mine, and we'll watch the biggest flop that Francis Ford Coppola ever made and that forced him to become a shill for money for 20 years.
1: <laughs> I want you to see some failure because then, after that, anything I do will seem like ex- such a success.
0: <laughs> and so we were watching the film together and she was going oh these colors they must they're so vivid they must see they must mean something i wonder what they mean and i was like aha <laughs> I, I actually can tell you exactly what they mean and so i dived through my bag of stuff and i found the notebook and i, and I had all the lists of what vittorio thinks each color means and i was like I gave her an impromptu lecture
1: and she thought that you could read minds because the <laughs> of that was too spooky <laughs> Well, what were that,
0: the chances? I mean, what the chan- I you
1: sent me that that documentary, like a link to that documentary on YouTube, right, mm. about him. And um, yeah, I think he mentioned something about this. It was something like the sensibleness of blue and the passion yeah, yeah, of yeah. red. And I thought, yeah, yeah babe, you're absolutely right. And, <laughs> and what it made me think of was that amazing scene, which for me is the high point of the film, is the really sexy scene where um, Marcello's wife, Julia, and... Anna, the professor, I feel bad calling him the professor, let me check, What Professor Luca Quadri, his wife Anna and Julia get onto the dance floor at this sort of yeah. night cafe and clear the dance floor when they do this sexy dance together, both in these backless slinky dresses, one in white, one in black, and it's just, I mean, it's a perfectly choreographed stage scene because you've got the people who have been dancing perfectly framed in the background just staring kind of amused and thinking it's kind of funny and a bit scandalous when they're doing this central slow dance together on the dance floor like walking back and forth and in the, the but the building itself is all glass and red painted walls behind them I was like ah Passion,
0: there it is. <laughs> there, there it is, vittorio Like you said, I can feel well, it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that exact scene because that scene that was actually what I was going to talk about. That I'd done some research on oh. about the re- and specifically about the use of red and blue because that um, kind of cafe dance hall place was a real location that was somewhere out um, where they were filming. But it was, they didn't build it on a soundstage; it was outside with glass windows that looked out onto a view. But what they did is that they brought in their own theatrical backdrops and placed those out of the wind outside the windows. So, and he said the reason that they did that was that they wanted to subliminally suggest the idea that in a fascist state you are very much imprisoned and that your life is very contained and boxed in. So, when you watch that sequence again, there is something a bit claustrophobic about it. And I'm not saying that's the yeah. entire reason, but that's something that they literally did to hammer home the feeling of what they think a fascist state was like. And so even though they did shoot on location, they didn't allow you to see the location. They put fake backdrops in. So it does feel a little a weird mix of real location, but also a bit fake because those backdrops aren't quite real.
1: I mean, yeah, it, it felt when they're walking into the cafe, it sort of feels like they're, they're on an, a lake or something. It feels sort of weirdly isolated, but then because it's full of glass, it really overlooked... And you're right, kind of caged in because you have a real sense of the structure of this room. You're not you don't feel like you're just in the room. You feel you feel it the whole of that building. Um yeah. and obviously you've got the audience, all these people who just been on the dance hall watching them. So there is something also, I guess, about the kind of you're always being watched
0: yeah absolutely and, and and watching the film again i realized that it's a very claustrophobic feeling film and yeah, there's very is. there's very few scenes set there are some scenes outside but you know they're always like i remember there's a bit outside the train station and you're underneath an yeah. awning all the time so th- so you never have vistas that open up even when you're outside that, that you feel like you're closed in or you're inside a cage you know
1: yeah that's so true god they thought about everything didn't they
0: yeah that that's what I mean that's what I mean for as a, as a filmmaker it is like I love thinking about the themes and ideas of a film and how you bed that into every aspect of the production.
1: Yeah. Okay so now let's talk about what I didn't like about the film. Please do. <laughs> you can probably guess. <laughs> um the women characters are somewhat odd Julia Marcello's wife is possibly the stupidest person ever to (laughs) venture into a film (laughs) she's I mean I I actually loved her I thought she brought so much to the film because she's sort of really enthusiastic and optimistic and has this sort of childlike energy about her which is quite fun and it's a good foil to him because Marcello is very closed off he doesn't give anything away he doesn't express very much he's very stiff so yeah It's kind of a nice foil to that, but it's an incredibly sort of 20s thing because their relationship is incredibly dated in that he's marrying her because it will be normal to have a wife. And clearly, kind of because she's so stupid, she'll just go along with whatever. She'll be low maintenance. Mm. But... They have nothing in common. He doesn't really like her. He calls her petty and and seems to kind of despise her. And she's just he, so sort of she has her only per, her personality traits are loving shopping and loving sex. And that's kind of explored in that she confesses to him that she was basically assaulted when she was a teenager. Hmm. And rather than that be a point of bonding between them, because he also was assaulted as a child. Yep. But instead, her abuse is used as kind of a sexy foreplay. Conversation. It's so weird.
0: Which, which watching that scene again, um, I remember thinking that's brilliant because it's really showing what an empty, like just it really distances you from the character of Clarici that he's got no ep- empathy at this moment of confession. Yeah. That you say could link to me. It's yes, it's an incredibly uncomfortable scene, but I was watching thinking that's the entire point. If the effect Of that sequence is to make me feel deeply uncomfortable about a troubled young woman confessing something horrible that happened to her and the the guy she's with not even caring not even responding to it in any kind of way and in fact the film then as this uh, uh, confession is being told the train carriage is flooded with this romanticized golden light it's incredibly comfortable and 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 that's the point in my mind (laughs) I said, uncom- I meant to say uncomfortable. That's what, sorry. That's what I thought. I was came very out.
1: comfortable watching.
0: That. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. It was really, yeah. To me, to me, to me, that's the point of that scene is is for it to be deeply troubling. And
1: but do you think he's empty and dehumanized, or is he just it, maniacal and a bit of a sociopath? Because I everything I've read about this this film talks about the dehumanization of fascism, which you know. I buy completely, but him as a character, he doesn't, to me, come across as just empty. He comes across as actually, like, sort of willfully a bit scheming and, yeah, sort of sociopathic. He- like, he's, it's not just that he doesn't feel anything, it's that he's kind of enjoying playing at being normal alongside having, you know, affairs and doing other questionable things?
0: Possibly. I I never quite read it like that, but it could be. I mean, he does end up doing a lot of horrible things, so we're we're kind of more discussing the intent behind it. To me, he just seems an incredibly weak man who has no no sense of himself. And to begin with, I feel like I'm slightly empathising with him, but as the film goes along, I mean, I I start disassociating from him as the film continues because he goes from being like somebody you you might be mildly amused by to just, I don't know, it could be sociopathic or it could just be somebody, this could just be what happens when somebody has no moral compass and no interest in, in developing one.
1: But he does, the thing is he does have a moral compass because he goes to confession and talks about how he's murdered someone and it sort of it feels like that is motivating him because basically he when he's a child this man that that he meets tries to assault him basically and so he grabs the guy's gun and, and he thinks kills him. And it seems like that is sort of what's motivating everything else that goes on in the film is that he wants desperately to be normal and to fit in because he had this trauma in his childhood that made him feel abnormal, that he murdered someone and he was nearly assaulted. So it's not like he doesn't have any moral compass at all because that's obviously like looming in his mind. It's weird. There's this weird thing because he just, the fact that he keeps talking, the other thing that isn't very subtle is the fact that he keeps talking about he wants to be normal. He wants to be married. He's a Mm. fascist because he wants to conform. If you keep saying it, do you know what I mean? That's like, it's like when people go, oh, I'm just a really fun-loving, carefree guy. If you have to say it, babe, you're absolutely not. So I don't, I'm like, but you don't actually really want to do any of these things, do you? And everyone tells him. everyone who says this to they're like, no, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) So I'm like, so what's really going on under here? Tell me. And I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure what his motivations are.
0: Well, I I love this because, because I mean, I I have, I hadn't seen that side, that approach to him. But the thing is, at least it's, again, the character's got under your skin. It's making you think, what's his true intentions? I mean, it might uh, be that uh, I'm a
1: misinterest and that's it. So I assume the worst of all men.
0: Possibly. Thank you, thank you. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so I, I just want to go back to your mention about the character of. Sorry, I've forgotten her name. Actually, the Julia the speaks Julia. volumes that you've
1: forgotten her name. She's. I
0: fig- I'm terrible with names in general. I can't <laughs> yeah, remember no, the professor's name. Um, ju- so ju- with Julia's Julia, um, the. the, the, the the thing is, does doesn't their relationship and her personality isn't that kind? of Wouldn't that be a commonplace for that time in the nineteen twenties and thirties to, to have like a, essentially a marriage of convenience or a marriage that's you know not got much love in it? Or
1: uh, I don't know, babe. I don't know. I think.
0: I mean, I, I'm agreeing with you that it's problematic that those relationships exist, um, but not, I don't think the not, film's glamour. No,
1: I don't think it's problematic that those relationships exist. What is? I mean, I. It's just that she's so stupid. And it's just, a, you know, it's a bit annoying to have a character that isn't very well-formed, especially when it's a woman character. That she's uh, no, like, just a no. bit of an airhead bimbo that doesn't, that, I mean, but, but then, because there are just so many moments in this, they're meant to be on honeymoon together in Paris, and he keeps mm. wandering off, and he starts an affair with the professor's wife. <laughs> Why isn't Julia like, where are Player. you? What have you been up to? <laughs> we're meant to be on honeymoon, and you keep vanishing. <laughs> Um, you see,
0: see, the, see can you say that conversation belongs in the in the remake of the Conformist. the Hollywood remake is like they would have that conversation. Do you want to see?
1: I know, I'm, no, I'm getting. That's what I realise is, even though I can't help but think that I realise that's not the point of the film. It's none of it is. Yeah. Th- these are weird, surreal se- sequences. This isn't yeah. a narrative, realistic. To- totally. Film. I mean, like, like
0: exactly, and, and oh, your points are totally valid, and and but it, it is like it's it's just. That's, it's not that kind of film. There's a lot of films where those things are discussed and the characters act realistically in what you would consider real situations. The Conformist is definitely neither of those things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I don't know, I sort of do, I, I, the character of Julia did sort of grow on me throughout the film. I Once her and Anna start having their flirtation yeah. i mean anna as well is a very strange character i'm like perplexed by both of them
0: totally strange totally strange but again i like totally it was the kind of totally strange. Like, i don't know what is she dom is she sub? what's going on is she anything like i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely dom no well but there's that nice bit where she then suddenly starts picking a dress out for julia and goes i yeah. don't know one minute you.
1: that's so dom to me no
0: yeah guess. she's sort guess, of
1: dominating yeah. the whole thing she's like treating julia like she's the nanny and julia's the child she's like looking after and playing with or she's her doll or something and you're just yeah. like la, 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 going along with it. <laughs> <laughs> but that i uh, yeah. i mean i thought i was so confused by anna and Marcello's relationship as well because i the way she yeah, it was it, it was, was enigmatic like she, was, she was expecting him to arrive there was no there was no like oh who are you it was like I, they'd already uh, had. I thought they'd already must have had an affair before, and they were restarting something. But then it became apparent that no, it was just, it was just for the first time on this honeymoon, on Julia's honeymoon.
0: It's like those, those questions. I'm not. I, I kind of. I, I remember watching it, thinking, what's going on again? How do they know each other? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like that. That. That's literally what my the, the, that side of my brain was doing. That it was like, hang on a sec. How do they, oh, whatever, it just look. it looks cool. There's some cool stuff happening.
1: You're right. I mean, and I think it got, to, it was the point where they start dancing together in the cafe and I thought, this looks amazing. I'm loving their weird dynamic and yeah. I'm just going to let the rest wash over me because there's no point in trying to thread this together. It It's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to yeah. land. It's not going to fall together. <laughs> so just let it, leave it be. Just let it, just let it be.
0: <laughs> Oh, at least you got there with it at least you didn't spend the whole film going for fuck's sake
1: no i, I it looks so good that i couldn't i couldn't help but enjoy it even though there are these problematic parts and there should be a trigger warning at the start of the film probably but i like yeah
0: it i would forgotten quite how you know
1: rapier d- d-
0: d- yeah basically i i, I had t- totally forgotten i was like oh shit yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but everything in it <laughs> everything in it looks so good I'm I'm sort of and because it doesn't if it was trying to be realistic and trying to be a realistic narrative story I would have a problem with those scenes and how they're handled yeah but because it doesn't really it's not about that it's just these these almost dream sequences that I kind of I could kind of just forgive those bits
0: I think that's possibly the best way to approach the, the film like that because it's not a realistic depiction of anything in a literal sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to evoke a feeling. I mean I suppose well the film was made in 71 so it's like the film industry was absolutely a male dominated industry so I guess you are going to get just films that feature much weaker female characters or a secondary roles. You know there's it's, yeah. You know, you not 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 only was it set in the twenties or thirties, it was made in the seventies. So yes. it's you know, it's, misogyny it's, it's, or
1: misogyny. It's,
0: yeah. <laughs> misogyny squared.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that aside, I did actually really enjoy it. I thought it was a really great choice, and I kind of want to read your dissertation now
0: yeah i wish i could find it I've, it's long since gone a thing oh, but yeah no. i'm I gonna know, have to like
1: send a formal request to your university <laughs> to get a copy of
0: it oh wow yeah you could do it yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> i shouldn't have told I mean, you it that, like, a... should I? I should have done it as
1: a surprise
0: that would i would love to read it would <laughs> <laughs> okay, be amazing noted, if my fr-
1: noted for your next birthday <laughs>
0: ah, well, cool yeah um so yeah we, that, for me that it was a real blast to revisit it it was it it i saw both its problems um like I, I i figured we'd be having a conversation about problematic elements of it. i could and i could see those watching it like but i also yeah. the I, but i was also thinking but you know even still in the context of the overall film i think it, it's a good film that's trying to do something different and i think it succeeds in the most part like yeah. you ain't never seen a film like that before
1: yeah absolutely definitely So good choice yeah. james
0: Ah, oh, thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, that 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 felt nice to have introduced you to something that you might not have seen that, that had good and bad points, but overall, you know, definitely worth seeing, eh?
1: Definitely. I think I'm ready for film school now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Groovy Movies, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye, bye.